minute, crossface. The Daily Talk Show. A conversation sometimes worth recording with Josh Jansen and Tommy Jackson. It's a Daily Talk Show episode 234 and it's Fat Fridays, everyone. We are in the presence of some friends of the show. And where, where are we? We're at the Grand Trailer Park. Yeah. in Te- uh, Teverina? Taverna. Well, let's just let's get Danny, Danny Zini, who's the owner of Grand Trailer Park. I can't remember the uh, no. There he is Taverina. How do you say that? Taverna. Taverna. I really fucked that up. Yeah. I'm really sorry. Full about Vogue. That. We're so we're so sorry. Yeah, Russ Keys has done it again. He's fucking. He, we got a calendar invite this time around. We did. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying you got to take your headphones off because we. I can't. Oh, because hear you. I'm not talking loud enough. Yeah, okay, yeah. there you go. Now, there we go. Russ Keys has done it again. Organised. Uh, an epic guest Hulk smash food here Ruru's here It's fucking great Russ Keys Executive producer Of the Daily Talk Show <laughs> I was talking to I was talking to Russ before um, over, over the weekend I was saying He needs a food podcast Where he just fucking Chats to all the people That he knows Because I reckon He knows about Every single person Who makes burgers Or owns places That makes burgers I will say That he doesn't because he doesn't know Ronald McDonald. <laughs> or do you? Do you know what? <laughs> this is where Russ announces he is, in fact, Ronald McDonald. <laughs> right, Danny, no. Danny, I want to talk about Ronald McDonald. Uh, your business partner, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy's Burgers uh, from Easy's, we had him on the podcast uh, a couple of week, weeks ago. He was talking about the McRib. What the fuck is the deal with the McRib? What do you reckon? Well, look, Jimmy's the premier doyen of uh, burgers here in Australia, so yeah. his opinion has weight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but he's a big advocate for McDonald's, and uh, he quickly followed up with the McRib. Was a little disappointed. Yeah. But he quickly followed it up with the triple cheeseburger, which he was wrapped about. So, <laughs> so he, here's the thing. I didn't even know this existed. I mustn't have been into Macca's that much. So this was a burger that was around years ago. Oh, yeah, the McRib. It's got a bit of a cult status. Like, you know, the, the whole thing with burgers is the nostalgia feel. Mm. And McRib, you know, when we grew up was, was a thing. And um, there's a big kind of uh, swirl around getting it back and Mac has brought it back yeah. with a lot of fanfare. It's so funny. There's Everyone pushes to bring things that are nostalgic back and then like movies, you know it's failed. Like they bring back some, Franchise. I don't know, Point Break. Everyone hated Point Break. Uh, but, but they fucked it. It's like yeah. remakes and all of that stuff. So there is a massive risk for a company like McDonald's to do something like that. I mean, Danny, you're, you're uh, making micro-business decisions all the time. How many actual restaurants do you have in Melbourne? Uh, in Melbourne, I'm involved with five restaurants. Yeah, and so you got Dandy Pavilion. Oh, I've sold that. I'm not there oh, anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I've got three raw stacks in Melbourne, yeah. Grand Trailer Park, and I'm fortunate to be a shareholder in Easy's as well. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. And, and what's been... Because TJ and I were talking about the fact that, like, the food shit, Fat Fridays is about the food. We're also like, Danny's a bit of a fucking bowler. He knows all about this business stuff. If you've had that amount of successes, you've got to know something about running a business. TJ and I have just started a partnership. What is the bit of advice you'd give us starting a business partnership? What do you need to keep in mind? I know, as a partnership, I think make sure you're always communicating. Yeah. And um, put everything on the table. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in partnerships we tend to worry about hurting people's feelings and, you know, we bottle up things inside. I think it's really important that you really discuss every Monite detail and don't take it personally and you're just working it out as you go. 
you're going to make mistakes, you're going to get upset at each other, but in any relationship, whether it's your, your partner, your kids, your mum and dad, you have your ups and downs, yeah. and it's the same with business. So we've, got, we've come from having our own single businesses to then sort of merging in the same space. But there would have been a lot of stuff I would have said yes to and been okay with to work it out as you go. But I think the reset in a new partnership is, okay, we take all those learnings and we sort of are more particular about what we say less with yes to based on the learnings. For your businesses, have you now got a filter of how much you'll say yes to without having any idea of what you're actually doing? Because there's been heaps of people, I've got friends who have won in the restaurant space and they had no idea. They weren't restaurant people, but they committed to it and made lots of mistakes. At what point do you sort of, it gets too risky, you won't do any of that young cowboy. I'm not at that point yet. You know, it's still no, cowboy? It's still cowboy. Oh, cheers to that. Tim, I've ever made the greatest or the dumbest decision in my life going to China this year, so I'm not at that point. So the expansion into China. Wow, that's... How different, like, how much of your assumptions have been challenged around business and food and the food business space going over there? Um, I think the ideals are the same. I think uh, the Chinese people I've met, especially the young guys, are really curious and they're really interested in what we're doing. Um, they, they love our core values and our commitment to quality products and to service. And I think uh, coming from Melbourne, we're really fortunate that whatever we do is fundamentally strong because yeah. it's so competitive here. Yeah. I mean, you can't just open a cafe and think you're going to do all right. You can't just open a burger place. You can't just open a restaurant. You've got to go above and beyond here in Melbourne. So our fundamentals are strong and we could carry that anywhere, I think. What about the... I feel like I hear a lot of uh, people going into China and they talk about the the cultural difference of doing business in China. It's like you've got to approach it. You need to fucking tell it like it is and you need to be aggressive with them. And have you... Did you go in with that mindset? How did you approach it? And what have you actually learnt now having a crack? Well, I've got an ideal about business. I've always got to be myself. Yeah. And I will keep continue to try things and be myself. But if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But that's a really good question because... It's become very challenging, yeah. and um, I'm at that crossroads where <clears throat> do I mature in business? Do I change my mentality? Do I become somebody that I'm ne not necessarily uh, uh, aim to be, yeah. um, or do I continue to be myself and do business the way I want to do it? And that is brought wide-eyed, uh, curious. Um, you know, don't just dip the toe, jump straight in the water. Mm. Um, but that's being challenged right the, now. Well, the hard thing is you've had success doing it. And so when you have success doing something, you're like, why would I, yeah. why would I fuck this up? Why yeah. would I try it a different way? Because I've proven it. It's really, yeah, it's really hard. Have there been certain things that, what, what are some of the key takeaways from starting up in, in China? Um, <clears throat> uh, take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, understand that the landscape's shifting constantly. Understand that your business partners there are working things out as well. Um, stick to your vision, be strong, uh, stay committed, and stay the course. I mean... Yeah. Sounds like a marriage. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I take those principles, you yeah. have a great marriage. <laughs> what, is the, um, what is something that you could take from this you know, uh, China you know, move? in Melbourne are there certain things where it's like man this has given me a new perspective on how I run things here it's actually made me a lot more confident yeah. to be honest um, that you've got things right or that yeah like you know that I do have a vision and sometimes I, I tend to 
undervalue myself a lot. Mm. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been successful in hospitality is because, you know, I'm always wanting to please people and that's fundamentally my DNA, wanting to please. And I think that resonates in our restaurants. And, um, you know, when I sit there in business meetings with, you know, people, big people, yeah. I've always kind of like a shrinking violet. I kind of shirk away and let handball, let some other person take the lead. Um, but lately in this whole China thing, it's like give me a lot of confidence that, you know what, Danny, you do belong yeah. and you do know what you're doing and you do have a vision and mm. you are sincere and um, and Stacks as a brand has value. Yeah. It's so interesting, like Josh and I dealing with clients that are worth you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and smaller operators, everybody's experiencing the same thing. So the takeaway for me is like, even so if you look at someone of success they're still feeling the same as what someone starting out yeah. feels just on a different layer yeah. or level so it's like constantly sort of leveling up it sounds like you've just upgraded you've done a level up so it's like a, no it's like an internal realization but it's good point but it doesn't have to be the defining thing you know i don't think you always need that to gain some level of success yeah it's so weird life's weird it is but how weird. good are burgers yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> how did you um how did you actually get to being in this whole business so i've been with hospital hospitality is now dna yeah. you know my first job out of high school was at a cafe in chadston yeah and uh i was just good at it i was really good at hospitality i loved it um also way that my brain works like I need to have things repetitive and monotonous and it was calming yeah so going to work wasn't work it was a release a stress release it was fun it was exciting uh, absolutely loved every minute of it and to be honest if I didn't have hospitality I didn't even know where my life would have went so yeah. it really I'm not just saying it just saved my life like if I did not have hospitality I I, I started to think where my life would have went yeah. And so was it, what was it? Was it the interaction with the people? Was it the love of food? Did it, which sort of came first, do you think? Could you, could you be running a hotel if it wasn't, wasn't doing this other stuff? Uh, I think it's just the work. Yeah. Again, it's just the, again, the way my brain works, it's, uh, it's really struggles to focus. Uh, hmm. I really find, find it hard to find clarity. But at, at work, it's the monotony of the work, that second person, third person, hmm fourth person and just having that chain of thought I think really helped I don't know if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. And I was that helped me focus kind of thing so you've you spent some time in the trenches obviously working up from being you know running around on the floor building away up I, we were having a conversation today with we've got a video production company and what we find is a lot of the time we're dealing with people who it's almost like they're not tradesmen. They don't. They haven't crafted videos themselves. They haven't found all those little hard things, the hiccups, the mistakes that you make as someone on the tools. But they're willing to sort of. They're in a position where they're trying to sort of do what we do, but they have none of that context. Do you think, like the restaurant game, you need to have? I mean, do you think it's helpful to have had that on the ground, flying hours? Oh, definitely, definitely, and. Um Hats off to who who could do it the way you said it with no <laughs> yeah. experience. I well, mean, I don't think they can. That's what I I'm mean, saying. if they can, I mean, they they were the smartest people ever. Yeah. Um, having said that, like the grilled people are from a marketing background. Okay. And look what they've done. And their partnership fell apart, though, didn't it? I read in the newspaper. 
that, that was a bit of a partnership? Oh, it was one, one person wanted out. It's just a bit of back and fry with the money. You know, when you're talking a $300 million company. Yeah, yeah. I'd be pissed no. off if <laughs> Josh wouldn't let me get my profit share yeah, out of the business, right. yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny. The, um, you know where you are, I reckon, in the scale of um, what you do when I noticed that you've got a lot of empathy for people. Even McDonald's, when we talk about McRib, you're not necessarily throwing in the knife. There's, do you find that the more that you do all this stuff, the more empathy you have for everyone that's having a having a crack? I think uh, real hospitality people, true yeah. hospitality people, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. I mean, we have had a policy we implemented at Danon Pavilion back in the day, 2006. If you came to my restaurant and you've been hospitality, it's a free drink, it's a free dessert, it's a discount. I don't even know you, I've never seen you before. Yeah. Fuck, I should have gotten into hospitality. <laughs> I, where, how, how could I have known about this rule? This is fucked. The problem is that I can't... Do you have any tips for carrying uh, drinks, uh, coffees? Because I struggle just with... If I have to carry a coffee okay, from ready? one Here's my table. tips for carrying okay. plates, okay? Right. Yeah. First of all, pretend you're on the catwalk. Head up high. Okay, put the disco music in your head. Walk down the catwalk and be proud. I mean, that's the only way to do it. Okay, great. I feel like I would end up getting there with the chicken palmer on the ground and everything <laughs> fucked. But at it's least happened. I look good. It's happened. And let me tell you, it's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's happened. Full restaurant. Everybody stops and looks. Someone's going to yell taxi. Lately, someone's yelling out Uber. But it happens to the best of us. Talking Uber about doesn't Uber. Have the, doesn't have the cut through. Doesn't Uber. have the same ring, right? Uber, no. Uber Eats. How has that changed the game for we what you? We don't do Uber Eats. Yeah. Uh, but what, what has the impact been for, do you think, uh, restaurants and dining in? Do you think that it's ruining some of the... Because I'm a bit of a hermit. And so I can... Uh, I, when I'm actually out and about and at a restaurant, I fucking love it. The problem is that Uber Eats gives me this out when it's Friday night and I'm, I get home and I'm like in my introverted shell and I just order some food. Have you seen you know, the, the flow on well, effect? Of course, it's a new new part of the business model and yeah. it's something that you've really got to take into consideration. But you know, you've been around overseas, whether you've been in Italy, Greece, Lebanon, uh, Africa, China... You could get anything delivered at any time, yeah. and that's been around for a long, long time. Australia, we've been we've been really late to the market because we only had in our heads just pizza delivered, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been around. There's been an adjustment, but my dad told me that he used to take down an old pot to the local Chinese uh, restaurant, and they'd fill up the like the full dish to take back. There was wow. no takeaway containers. Wow. There was no delivery. This was like 60s, 70s. Unbelievable. It crazy. It's t- changed. Now some smug asshole getting 25 bucks an hour rocks up on a little bike. <laughs> no. Do you, th- do you think that no, you <laughs> Do you think that you would... Uh, are there certain other industries that you want to tackle? Or are you in hospitality and oh, food? Oh, yeah, there's definitely... I think... Um, Part of being in the restaurant now is like you got to be pretty um, astute with social media. Yeah. And I think if you see through our stacks page, we do a lot of production values in, in our social media. And yeah. the idea is there, we don't want to just market our brand or sell a product. We want to want to offer some value, be interesting in its own right. So 
I would love to venture in a production industry somehow down yeah. the track. He's gaining, stuff. He's gaining partnership. Let's and this is my, this is the key, perfect. this is the start. Okay, yeah, watch out, boys, watch out. It's actually a uh, podcast slash board meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got the chairman, <laughs> advisor. Everyone's yeah. a fucking advisor yeah. now. We could be, Advisor would work. Yeah, this is what you've been doing wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd be happy to take that. Feedback. What Josh and I love doing is uh, actually looking at reviews on, say, food websites. Like, we found some really great ones up in the Dandenongs, Pancake Restaurant, some of the funniest reviews. Bad for the business. <laughs> But funny, and I always think about how do they. Oh, the the thing is, the the restaurant owners come back hard with like full explanation. Which how do you deal with that? When yeah, you, what's, I mean, what's you've your got take? five restaurants. Five. Uh, I used to take it really personally, um, but you know, in my experience at the Downham Pavilion, when we had a complaint, I would assess the complaint on a base to base basis. Where like, for instance, if you came in a hundred times, you got it wrong one time. And then you had a go. I used to get upset, but now my 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 my, my vision of that's changed because they actually feel undersold. They mm-hmm. actually want to have a good experience. Mm-hmm. They're a hardcore fan. Yeah, I mean they've yeah. been there a hundred times. Yeah. You've let them down. Yeah, they actually it's so similar with Russ when we have a bad show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it feels yeah, yeah. like we've let him down. <laughs> EP executive producer. He hasn't trolled us yet, so that's good. No, he hasn't. <laughs> let me tell you what he said about just last night. <laughs> And so, what's the, the the reviews? What's the process now? What do you tell your staff? How do you approach it? Um, we don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, we focus on the customer coming through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fortunate we've had some good reviews. We've had some bad, but I can't let that be our focus because mm. you know everybody has an opinion. Everything's objective. Yeah. You know, one person's favorite French fries. Some yeah. people like fat potato chips. One yeah. person likes brioche. Somebody likes a milk bun. Like. It's all objective. Yeah. Here's the problem with perfect, right? If you've got every review's perfect, it's only downhill. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> You're in trouble. How do you decide on menu items? Um, really fortunate. Again, hospitality is a space to be creative and you just throw it out there. So even with Pavilion, which is the basis for Stacks, we, I put a lot of specials on and we try secretly try different beef blends, different bread blends, different types of ingredients, different cheeses, and I'd, whatever's sold in the reviews or people feedback, I'd keep a collection of data over a couple of years, and then I'll perfect that item. Amazing. Yeah. I feel like, um, did you have a, a product that had a muck in it, or it's sort of a hat tip to a McDonald's item? Have you ever done that, and have you had any cease and desist or any no, trademark I mean, issues? No. Nah. Look, you don't have to worry. Everyone uh, likes to bag Maccas, but... Yeah. They've been a go-to from the beginning of time. I yeah. mean, I my business, love models, it, uh, business yeah. model is based on McDonald's. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think they are the optimum. They train their staff so well. Yeah. Their business model is really great. They service the community. They do a lot of stuff for charity. Um, if McDonald's changed from frozen products to fresh, it's yeah. over for everybody. Yeah. Because that's how good they are. I saw that in, um, uh, was it uh, Jimmy's Burgers? He wrote something like that. He said he'd been speaking with you. Explain that from frozen to fresh. What it, Frozen to fresh, what are you saying? Well, McDonald's put so much money into perfecting their supply chain and getting the efficiency where the palate has with has changed completely. Like, you know, 16 year, when we were 16 years old, what did we eat? Yeah, We're about the same. Mac- Macca's or... Yeah. Fish and chip shop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fish Mate, and these chips. sixteen-year-olds are going to restaurants. <laughs> They're getting dry-aged, yeah. sixty-day steaks, yeah. and then critiquing. Yeah, yeah. So that's how the palate Smug. is completely Absolutely. changed. <laughs> so fresh beef, which what we use, is 
the new norm. And yeah. if you look at America, Shake Shack, Five Guys, In and Out, um, they're all using fresh quality products, and they're taking Macca's market share. Once yeah. that, you know, what do you call it? The sleeping elephant wakes up, yeah. it's over. Is, yeah. is McDonald's in the US versus Australia very different when it comes to ingredients? McDonald's Coca-Cola in the US is the best Coca-Cola you ever taste. <laughs> it, um, what do they do? Is it well, got, high uh, fructose corn syrup? Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we can't have that here. Yeah. But it's ridiculously addictive yeah. and yeah it's great I feel like I've seen a barbecue sauce at a like a diner in Melbourne that has high fructose are you not yeah. meant to actually have it are you okay. not, not that, that's illegal in restaurants in Australia no it's not illegal but uh, the Coca-Cola formula here in Australia or well, the post mix is a little different that's right because okay. they talk about that is it because in Mexico they have sugar do they use sugar cane or something what, so what's the difference between the Mexican one I'm the, not sure I don't yeah. know about Mexico I just know <laughs> Macca's Coca-Cola <laughs> tastes better than the Coca-Cola yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair enough The I saw uh, you do, did an Instagram uh, post and it was about an old school diner and I think you were talking you are reflecting on what you want your business to be do, is that uh, a strategy of looking back and do you ever get the feedback that you know America's doing a lot as you said there's the shake shacks and all that sort of thing and what it said to me was people could easily look at something like stacks or whatever and say oh that's a shake shack play in Australia but are you actually referencing way further back or how how does your inspiration come well you know uh, the shack is is just the buzzword so There is very small similarities between what we do and what they do. Yeah. If you really looked in depth at our menu, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but everyone likes to talk about the Shack because it is a phenomenal brand. Yeah. Um, I mean, Was I, I followed Danny Meyer before Shake Shack. I had yeah. his books at the table. He's a hospitality guru. He's very passionate about hospitality. His his restaurants are all about hospitality. The way they treat their staff, it's phenomenal. If you yeah. go dig deeper. But yeah, Shake Shack is just the buzzword. Yeah. Our menu has a couple of items that are similar, mm-hmm. but that's your basic entry-level burger. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How would you describe all the different restaurants you have? Do you have like one line to describe each? What are their personalities? Well, I mean, describe them as friends. Look, if you look at Trailer Park, yeah. I'd say it's the crazy cousin who hasn't grown up and just came off a six-day bender <laughs> and feels like something to eat. I mean, that's Trailer Park. I mean, it's absurd if you look around. Um, the decor, the design, but the fundamental of the hospitality stays true. Yeah. Our service is great. Quality ingredients and pizza resonates with people and yeah. people go have a bit of fun. Uh, Royal Stacks um, was my attempt at corporatization. Mm-hmm. So I did have a, a, a vision of having a multi-store brand yeah um purely just i had a midlife cry it was either buy a car or start something else and i decided to start something else i think there's yeah, more return that, with this yeah, that's right. there's a lot of people right now with ssu's <laughs> who could have started that i think yeah. you've yeah. done the right thing yeah <laughs> and, and so so describe those the other personalities so royal stacks so royal stacks um has an mba at harvard yeah okay um yeah. No. <laughs> i think royal stacks is is it your I, refined thinking maybe on things? Again, it was my, my, my attempt at having a multi-store operation. It's my attempt at, if you look at the our menu again and it's the style of service and our social, I've got my subtle personalities in the venue. Yeah. Um, 
And I just saw an opportunity, like when we opened Royal Stacks of Collins Street, there was no other burger place like it in Melbourne CBD. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we didn't muck around and I think people really resonate with that. We bought a 300 square metre venue on Collins Street, Melbourne, one of the premier cities in the world. Yeah. Nobody had opened a six, bur- six menu burger venue that large yeah. in Melbourne. And we were the first to do it. Man, I remember the lines. I was working at the time on King Street in Little Collins at a place called Invato, and we would always, on Friday, go head down as a, as a gang and go. But that was the, the launch of a business versus the sustainability long-term. What have you learned? What can you do at launch to actually help you over a longer period of time? Well, one of my business partners here at the time, Josh Leffers, is the genius of that. Yeah. And I learned a lot through him. Uh, in terms of launch, uh, Drain Trailer Park was the first burger venue to have a launch like that. Now it's the norm. We did it differently. We had a PR, we had a a guest list, we had people, we had a party to launch a burger venue. I mean, that, that again, wasn't done. And we were fortunate to have the right people around us and it really resonated with people. And uh, we did. We applied the same principles again at, at, at Royal Stacks. Yeah. And if you offer something different and something of value, people will resonate. But if you're going to do the same thing over and over and over, it's the dull eye roll. Mm. People get over it quick. I, I've been noticing a lot of the places I'm going to are a part of a group, part of a big group of restaurants. So they've got the capital behind them to start and supplement if it's not going as well as they thought. Is there still room for little players to start something like? I think hard. you're going to see a big comeback of that. Yeah, that's good. Maybe you, you go into media, and Tommy and I will start a little <laughs> diner. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think? Because one thing I notice in the states is a lot of diners that are just not. I think when I before I went to the US, I was expecting this sort of Denny's culture where everything is just sort of like franchised and big business but I think that there's so many maybe for the amount of cafes we have in Melbourne they have diners do you think there is going to be that diner culture or do you think cafes just surpass that expectation we do have the diner culture but it's it is different it is our cafes it's the pizza shop it's the pasta bar I mean that's synonymous with Melbourne yeah yeah and the difference is we, you've had an influx of immigrants come to Australia from the 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Greeks, Italians, Lebanese, they brought their own food and culture, Chinese. So we're very, very fortunate mm. that that immigrant, we're at the cusp of the best food. Whereas in America, they immigrated in the 1600s, yeah. 1700s. So they're fourth, third, fourth, fifth generation yeah. there. So they don't have the, the hunger uh, but, as a migrant has. Yeah. But they're next to Mexico, so they've got so much oh good God. food. Yeah, Mexico. Yeah, exactly food. right. Yeah. That's the one thing. Like, and they're building a wall to keep them out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But don't keep the burritos, the, the tacos yeah. in. The tacos in. Yeah. And so what do you, we asked Jimmy this. What do you think is the the next play? Because Mexican was a thing with the mamacitas and stuff like that. There was, and um, donuts was huge. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's your call, Danny? Yeah, what's the, what's the next thing? Where, where should we be investing our... Invisible money. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, this is now turned into investment advice. <laughs> um, part of the board meeting. Well, I think it's going to go back to the family-style restaurant that we had at Pavilion, where a very diverse menu. So now we see a lot of specialisation. So Italian, yeah. burgers, yeah. Uh, Mexican, yeah. like everyone specialises at the moment. Yeah. And I think you're going to see a resurgence of the whole like. Um, 
bistro dining yeah. where it's a diverse menu family style I think that's going to make a comeback it's similar to our show we yeah. haven't niched into one area exactly we're diverse we're a bistro but how do you do what we've <laughs> we've done where you just end up being average at everything <laughs> well <laughs> How do, how do you avoid that in, say, yeah, are you talking about pub? Is that pub culture? Yeah, I think some of that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And as a as a restaurant owner, as a hospitalitarian, is that, is, is that a fucking word? What do you say? Hospitality? I don't know. Someone who's in hospitality? Hospital. Yeah. Doyen of hospitality, I yeah. prefer if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do, do, you, um, do you think that that's a good style, that we do everything, or does it freak you out to think that the chefs are going to have to cook up a parma and then also be doing a curry? Well, I mean, you've got, you got kids? You don't got kids? Yeah, I've got two. I mean, how cl- clever is that child compared to what you would have been? Oh, yeah. He, he knows how to YouTube. <laughs> he knows how, yeah, he's clever. It's ridiculous, right? It's crazy. Like, it's insane. And and I think the kids going up now who are going to be cooks and chefs, they are much smarter than we were. Yeah. They can diversify. Yeah. They can do multiple things at one time. They don't have to be specialized. They have access to multi-cultures. Yeah. They've been around the world. They've traveled. They've experienced different dining. So to pigeonhole somebody and say they can only do one thing, yeah. I think that's that's wrong now. Yeah. yeah. How do you communicate that from a marketing point of view, do you think? Do you, does it then become really important to be family names that people recognize? What have you learned in the branding space? Again, I think if you open a store, just offer a point of difference. Mm-hmm. Don't do the same thing everybody else is doing. Yeah. True, be true to yourself. Don't be scared to make mistakes. Don't be scared to look like an idiot yeah. and keep trying. And something, somebody will appreciate what you're doing yeah, yeah. and then work on that part. Yeah. Hamish Blake was on our show and he was talking about, it's more relating to media, but saying about our show, it might be 500 episodes before you realise that this isn't the thing that's going to get you there. You, but you only realise when you get to 500. And it's Spot a hard on. thing to sp- swallow, right? Because if you go, I start two businesses that failed they were my passion but the third one fucking blows up it's like it's it's a hard one have you found that spot on yeah definitely man like i mean when we did the secret menu at daniel pavilion there was no hype there was no pr there was no marketing there was yeah. no social media it was such a great secret i don't know about <laughs> it <laughs> the, the thing is i <laughs> what the, is this it had it definitely had cut through because i was living in abbotsford and I would drive to Dandenong for the secret menu. Yeah, and I and the th- the funny Fuck, thing is, I feel like a loser. Well, t- <laughs> Tommy, Tommy and I t- talk about this a bit. I've got a little bit of in- insecurity around you know with growing up in the burbs or whatever, and there is that um, bit that I'm trying to shake, which is that I associate my childhood with the burbs and all that sort of thing. But Dandenong Pavilion was a great example of like this is fucking this is this was my hood and it was doing epic high quality thing. Was yeah. that was that deliberate? Was that were you trying to make a statement? Or hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, when we walked in, I mean, I think there was a conscious decision to put Dandenong in our name. Yeah. I did not want to shy away from where I'm from. I did not yeah. want to shy away from my background. I didn't want to shy away from the being the burbs. Yeah. I wanted to be for Danong and the people from Danong really appreciated it. I mean, they really championed us in the early stages. They were so hungry for what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, we were really, really fortunate. Like, the community, like, you know, I didn't know anything about Yugoslavians, Serbians, Bosnians, Croatians. Like, they were there and really, I got to know their culture. They championed us. I mean, there's a large Albanian community there. Like, 
I never knew an Albanian before that. They, again, so supportive. Yeah. Uh, the Danong people were um, awesome for us. How yeah. do you change, like, how do you um, communicate for people who think of Dandenong as Dandy Station where you fucking go through quickly? Uh, my dad used to have a business on Bennett Street in Dandenong, oh, wow. um, the radiator business. So, like, I feel like Dandenong has changed so much as well. What what is your what is your take? How would you communicate it to, to people? I mean, people forget in the seventies and eighties, Dandenong was the place to be. Yeah, really? I mean, yeah, that's it, buddy. Three. Easy. Um, Russ has just Noble. yelled out three one seven four. That's a Noble Park. <laughs> Noble Park. Um, yeah. I mean, even on the menu here, you got uh, our entry item, the K Say Burger. And that burger... Oh, it's a graph, KSA. That's right. Yeah. So it was, you know, that was a homage to them, again, from our roots, even in this menu. So Danong was the place to be. It was very pumping. The GMH was there. What happened was the 90s came and we had a large, I think, heroin epidemic. They opened the plaza, which killed the main street. You had uh, now Found Gate open in Chadston. So Danong was this kind of hub from like Warrigal to Raugan. Instead of going to the city, you stop at yeah. our place. That's where yeah. you'd go to the movies. You'd go to village cinemas in Dandy. Right, yeah. I yeah. went and saw Lion King probably in 92 <laughs> or no, yeah, whatever that was. Last movie you saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's... Um, it, do you ever worry or do you get shit from your, your friends and family that you're becoming a bit too fucking city boy, too bullshit? Or have you, do you no, think that's think, been something you've really kept? Yeah, I, I'm... Um, you know, it's funny you say that because when we were doing the China thing, uh, we had a massive meeting. We had the staff and we had like the CEOs and the company directors and, you know, they wanted me to sit on that table, but I made the decision to sit with the cooks. Yeah. Because that's me. And I'm never going to be that guy. I, I, I'm never going to be the guy that's eating a bit or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd rather spend time with with the cooks I, that's where I belong I know it's where I belong and that's where I want to be you can take the boy out of the boobs but you can't take <laughs> the boobs out of the boy exactly <laughs> finally you've got uh, your Boston is that Celtics is Boston Celtics yeah, or no yeah. I know nothing about NBA but I feel like it could be something I could get into because I just love a few things I like about it live streaming get to watch the watch the games how how hooked are you when it comes to NBA well, well, I always say basketball was my first love. Yeah. Did you it go to really Daniel Basketball Stadium? Oh, mate, did I? I used to court now for, for the Rangers. Oh, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dandenong oh, Basketball wow. Stadium. Oh, Tony's game, you, you were there. Did yeah, you go I probably would have heard a couple of times. The wheelchair basketball, I used to do the announcing for that. Awesome. But yeah, Dandy said, what, what oh, team can you please tell the story of what you called somebody while court announcing? Oh, yeah. Well, because <laughs> the thing is that we were. He's worried about pronouncing your surname yeah, today. Because the thing and it's fucking easy, Zini. The thing is that. Right? Uh, yeah. How do you say it? Z- say it. Uh, he's Zany. Close. Yeah, say it. Zany. 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 Oh, well, I fucked we, it. You did think that. See, this was the thing. But I, hang on. It's not about a, a so, bigger fuck up as what you made. Well, because the thing is <laughs> that I um, I used to have to remember 40 names because I would do two games. I would do uh, the men's and then the, the women's. And they all had like 10 people each side or whatever. So they could 40 names. And I just remember because I was telling... I always say to TJ, I'm like, how do you say this person's name? I need to remember it. And it was because I remember I was doing the announcing and I announced a guy. Um, I said, you know, number seven, Jesus, blah, blah. And his name was Jesus. And it got a huge laugh. And not only that, the other time was when I called a guy whose name was Stephen. 
who was spelt with a P-H. I'd just done a wi- women's game beforehand, and so I called him Stephanie. Yeah. Because oh, I was just, oh, oh, oh. like, you know, a bit... Uh, deserved. Bit, Anyone with a exactly. P-H deserves to be like <laughs> Did you... Um, Steph. Did you... Uh, Domestic basketball. Did you play at Dandy? Yeah, I played at DYC, down on North Youth Club, yeah. uh, down there. Uh, again, you know, picked up a basketball in grade six at Rosewood Downs Primary School. Yeah. And it was my first love, and I was addicted and hooked and obsessed with the NBA in the 90s. Michael Jordan was... was oh, yeah. uh, basketball cards, the holograms. Uh, everything, everything. Like, I would blow... I, I'd save my runners, the yeah. shoes. Like, I'd work my ass off to save every cent. And I was obsessed, and it was great. I still yeah. love it. Are so you were, Josh, you're not allowed to get into basketball because you got your I've hands got, full. Yeah, I've got no <laughs> to wrap up, we'll, we'll say what you're doing. What am uh, I doing? Oh, with oh, my 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 book? Is that what we're yeah, talking about? Yeah, you're writing about? a book. Oh yeah, I'm writing a book. So uh, to to close, we need to mention last. Uh, uh, I had the idea on the weekend to. Um, I was reading a book that was saying that to become a better writer, you should rewrite the best sales letters in the world, right? And I had a um, a book that I was about to read next, and I was like, "Well, how about I just rewrite that entire book?" It's two hundred and fifty odd pages. So anyway, stupid idea. Stupid idea. <laughs> Take a lot of time. We're going to make fifty percent less profit yeah, this exactly. month oh, based wow. on his input. But it turns out Seth Godin, who wrote the uh, the wrote the book, I reached out to him. Yeah. To make sure that he was okay with me rewriting the book. And I love that you didn't even tell me you'd reached out to him. I found out from Instagram <laughs> stories. <laughs> now that's probably no no from a business. Remember what we spoke about early on yeah. communication <laughs> in the business. Okay, it's very important. So, but we've got the go ahead. Seth said that's a neat idea. Wow. That's a, but so, We've had um, it's now turned into a bidding war. So for charity, Josh, yeah. So we're going to sell the book that Josh writes, and all the money goes to charity. The bidding was at 150 yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Derek, sorry mate, you've lost your bid. We've got an email from uh, Trevor Long. Trevor said, "My bid. Come on, scooter, Derek. You were taking, Mel- you were talking Melbourne property prices auction style here. Welcome to the big league. My bid is valid on the following conditions being met." Proof of Seth Godin's consent. Yeah, I'll completion of task by January 31. Inclusion of handwritten note from Tommy outlining the train incident. Which, which we don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. <laughs> if he pays for, if met, I will donate 500 bucks to the to charity. The charity of your nomination. So it's going to take a lot of time. Have you ever done it? Have you ever entered into uh, something that was something as ridiculous as that and have to follow through? Other than every business that everyone's done, uh, some ridiculous things <laughs> too. Um, can I say marriage? No. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Um, no. Are you a betting guy? That's a do, you do, any be- do you do any? Do you do? Oh, if you get in hospitality, you're a gambler every day, yeah. man. You're gambling every day. Yeah, is, it, is your uncle Joe Hashem? No, it's a family friend. Not yeah, okay. Because yeah. I was looking and going, "Fuck, you look so much like somebody." And then I saw a photo of you <laughs> and Joe. I was like, surely that's your dad or no, uncle no, or something. No, no, just a family friend. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. So funny. It's a daily sure. talk show. So the, the book is happening though. So yes. now I've got to spend the next... Tw- I worked out <laughs> that it'll probably take me 24 hours. Yeah. So if I do an hour a day from sort of today, I should have it done. <laughs> wow, And Danny, if you want to put in a bid, e- yeah. e- email us, bid 
Yeah, so you the subject line the subject and your line. bid to hi at the daily talk show dot com. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree to all the terms except the deadline's going to be hard. So <laughs> January twenty first. Yeah, no, I think we'll we'll make. We'll make I don't it know work. if you'll make. And just very quickly, what should we? What should oh, yeah, we? What should we, eat? What, what should we? What should we? What should we? What's what do you recommend? I mean, again, the McDowell is a homage to McDonald's. McDowell, that was on the yeah. uh, the dandy menu. I remember that's the right. McDowell. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. a homage to Macca's. Yeah, with our take of the Big Mac there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. My favourite burger here is probably the Ivan yeah. Drago. What about uh, Hulk? What's what's your? F- do you have a favourite burger here? I certainly do. I'm with uh, Danny on this one. The Ivan Drago is my clear favourite here. Okay, there we go. And what's what's going to be called? Danyong, the place to be. <laughs> yeah, we should, but yeah, I think that could be the tagline. We're going to make a comeback, dude. You're going to make, make some jokes. You got jokes. Um, Russ Keys, thanks for coming down. Roo roo. <laughs> Woo! And yeah, Hulk th- smash thanks food. For, thanks, Russ. Hey, Russ, uh, as you're our executive producer, where's our next one? Um, stay tuned. We've got a big one coming up next. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, are you open all over Christmas? What's the, what's the deal? Uh, what's the trading Trailer hours? Park and Stacks Collins should be closed from Christmas Eve until the 4th. Okay, great. And fucking yeah. back at it. Mate, it's a perfect thing. I know that I remember being in J- January or whatever. Slow time at work. Long lunches. It's the time to get out and eat. Uh, Danny, mate, thanks so much for being well, on the show. Thanks for having me. It was thanks great. Thank you. Daily talk show. We're off to eat. Have a good one. <laughs>